Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. Welcome to Talk Money, and now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Good morning and welcome to Talk Money. Talk Money is about investing, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, everything financial. Our guests bring their insights and perspectives about their topic of expertise. This week in the news, tax reform. That's all we've been talking about and listening to. Tax rates are being reduced, but some popular deductions are ending. Well, tax uh, bill has passed the House Thursday, dramatically cutting some top corporate rates. Boy, that's making the news. People don't like that. They think it's the wrong thing to do. We'll talk about that later on in the next couple of weeks. And lowers rates for individuals. Eh, So we are going to see some breaks there, but here's some things. It takes away some deductions that millions of us rely on. What are they? Well, let's talk about our friends in Arkansas and Mississippi. They're going to lose their state income tax deduction that they've been, when they pay that 6%, they're going to now lose that that they can't deduct it on their federal income tax return. Also, medical expenses, student loan interest are being removed. We'll see what happens there. Of course, it's got to go through the Senate. These tax cuts face big challenges in the Senate, so we'll see if it gets passed before the end of the year. Just remember, always keep your politics out of your investments. Here's something to remember. 48 million Americans are at least age 65 today, representing 15% of our 326 million citizens in the United States. The number of age 65 seniors is projected to increase by 4,700 per year over the next 15 years. Get that, folks. That's a big, big number. These facts come from Social Security Administration. So here's the question. Will Social Security be around when you need it? Well, today's program, my guest is Kurt Zarnowski, president and founder of Zarnowski Consultant, a frequent guest of ours, very respected expert on Social Security. He's going to answer the question, will Social Security be around when you need it? In the second half of the program, just, uh, you know, we're not sure how to buy life insurance. Well, in the second half, we got pro- our program, we got Michael Powell, a frequent guest of ours from Shoemaker Financial. He's going to answer your questions about purchasing life insurance and some mistakes to avoid. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990, FM 107.9, talk radio for the Mid-South. This is Talk Money. You're listening to Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Jeff Grimm, and David Rochester are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, our registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. 
Now, here's Mid-South weather from News Channel 3 Severe Weather Center. Brought to you by the Crescent Club. Hosting the people and ideas that move Memphis forward for nearly 30 years. Poplar and I-240. Call for a free tour at 901-684-1010. Your WREG-TV News Channel 3 Severe Weather Center forecast. Outside of a few chances of sprinkles, mostly cloudy to partly cloudy skies. Highs in the lower 70s, breezy south winds at 5 to 15. More scattered showers tonight, mostly cloudy, lows in the lower 60s. Looking for adventure this fall? Look no further than your Mid-South Chevy dealers. Head to your local dealer and ride into fall in a new Chevrolet. Find new roads at your Mid-South Chevy dealers. That's a look at your latest WREG-TV News Channel 3 Severe Weather Center forecast. I'm meteorologist Austin Onick on AM 990. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs. It's what we do. You're listening to Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. This portion of Talk Money is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm, estate planning, elder law, and probate planning for all generations. You know, we frequently have this guest of ours that comes from the Far East. Well, maybe the Northeast, but he is one of those guys that I highly respect because he is an expert when it comes to Social Security. We get tons of questions about Social Security. So welcome to the program, Mr. Ace President Founder, Mr. Kurt Zarnowski of Zarnowski Consultants, sir. Thank you for joining us this morning. Hey, Jim. Good morning, everyone, and greetings from the frozen Northeast, where the wind is howling today. Yeah, Ooh. yeah that Ooh. makes no it— No golf for me today. No golf, and that makes me again realize why I enjoy living where I live, and I'm glad you where you are. Yeah, uh, but then again, we talk in the middle of August, too, and— Sometimes the uh, tables are turned. Yes, you're right. No question about that. You know, Kurt, one of the questions, we seem to get this all the time, and I don't know why. It seems like we cover it, yet it's, it, it's so much on the everybody's mind is the reality. It's a mistake. It's a thought process. People planning for retirement, they choose the wrong retirement age. I, I want you to kind of go through with us, just, just help everybody understand, how do you become eligible for retirement benefits and then how do you make the decision when you want to choose to use those benefits or receive the benefits and not make some wrong retirement age decision that you pay for for the rest of your life? Can you go through yeah, that well, for the us? First, uh, the answer to the first one of those questions is a lot easier than the second, uh, Jim. <laughs> but you qualify for benefits because you worked in a job which is covered under the Social Security system. Right now, about 93% of the jobs in this country covered under the Social Security umbrella. To qualify for a retirement benefit based on your own work activity, you need to have worked and paid into the Social Security program for at least 10 years. You need to have accumulated 40 Social Security. The old term was quarters of coverage. Now talk about earning Social Security credits. You're a credit based on the dollar amount of earnings you have during the course of the year covered under Social Security. So, for example, 2017, you earn one Social Security credit for each $1,300 that you make, because you can earn a maximum of four Social Security credits during a calendar year, 
2017, for example, you have earnings of $5,200 or more in a job covered under Social Security. You've earned your four credits for this year. And as I said, once you've accumulated 40, 40, which is the equivalent of 10 years of work under the system, you're good to go. You're always going to get something down the road when the time comes. Now, what happens if you don't accumulate 40 Social Security credits yourself? Well, you can't receive anything based on your own work activity, but it may be possible to collect benefits based on the work and earnings of your spouse. And we've talked about spousal and survivor benefits at other times, but that's how you get your foot in the door. 10 years of work doesn't have to be 10 consecutive years. It's the equivalent of 10 years. Once you got that, you're good to go. But in terms of collecting retirement benefits, people have choices, you have options. And I like to say you need to start by making sure you know what Social Security considers your full retirement age. When the program started back in 1935, Congress had set Social Security full retirement age as the month someone turned age 65. And it was full retirement age at 65 for everyone without exception. But in 1983, Congress changed the law, increased full retirement age, the change impacts anyone born 1938 or later. We're now at the point where for a big chunk of the baby boomers, any of us born between 1943 and 1954, our Social Security full retirement age is the month we turn age 66. But it's important for listeners to know that full retirement age actually increases beyond that. And under current law, tops out that anyone born 1960 or later has a Social Security full retirement age as the month you turn age 67. Now, in terms of collecting benefits, important to note, collecting at full retirement age isn't your only choice, isn't your only option, but it's important to know what your full retirement age is based on your birth, because a lot of features of the program flow from at least having reached your full retirement age. But regardless of what your full retirement age is, the law says you could actually start to take your money as early as age 62 if you chose to do so. But as I like to remind folks, Social Security is a social insurance program. Congress has built certain social goals into it. And one is the hope that everyone ends up with roughly the same amount of lifetime money, regardless of when they start to collect those benefits. So, out of the rules of the program, if you opt to start taking your benefits before you've hit that full retirement age month, your payment is going to be reduced. The idea being you're starting earlier, well, therefore, in theory, you'll be collecting for a longer period of time, so you're going to be given less on an individual monthly basis. How much less? Well, it's roughly half a percent per month reduction for each month prior to your full retirement age that you opt to collect benefits. Half percent per month, roughly a 6% per year reduction. But again, you don't have to not collect right on your birthday. You don't have to not collect the start of the calendar year, but recognize you have to start taking your money before you hit your full retirement age. You're going to have your payment reduced over that full retirement age amount by roughly half a percent for each month that you collect. And oh yeah, Jim, people need to understand it's a permanent reduction. A lot of people mistakenly think, yeah, I know I'll start early, I'll get less, but as soon as I hit my full retirement age, my payment will zoom up again. No, 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 no. Permanent reduction. Again, the idea you're starting earlier, in theory then collecting for a longer period of time, so you're given less than an individual monthly basis. You start right at the month you reach your full retirement age. That's when you get 100% of what your work and earnings entitled you to receive. But among the options that people have are to wait past full retirement age before starting. And 
you think about that social insurance idea that I referenced, now if you opt to defer for a period of time, you'll be starting later. So in theory, collecting for a shorter period of time. So by all rights, your monthly amount ought to be increased if you wait. And it is. These are called delayed retirement credits. And for each month past your full retirement age, that you don't collect a benefit, you'll see your payment amount now permanently increase by two-thirds of a percent for each month you defer. Two-thirds percent per month, that translates into an 8% per year increase by waiting. But again, you don't have to not collect for a full year. For each month you defer, your payment goes up. But the key thing, these delayed retirement credits only accrue until you turn age 70. But from full retirement age until age 70, for each month you defer, your payments permanently increase by two-thirds of percent. Now, understand this, Jim. You never have to take your Social Security benefits. It's not like there's a required minimum distribution. And in fact, if more of your listeners would cowboy up and not take their money, the system might not be faced <laughs> with some of the financial. Yeah, I <laughs> That's the question, actually, I led into when I was doing the monologue earlier is, you know, the whole reality. And I guess people need to be aware. I'm listening. I'm talking with Kurt Zarnowski. He is the founder of Zarnowski Consultants. He's our expert when it comes to Social Security. The question that we get and, uh, you know, it's just a question that comes in all the time. Will Social Security be here in the future? I had talked about forty seven hundred individuals turning age 65 from now until age till well for the next 18 years and we're already at an enormous number so the question is will it be here and that's my question to you Kurt oh I absolutely believe it'll be here now I'll, I'll deal with that in a second but I also think it's important for younger workers in particular are the ones who frequently ask that question that's right for them to understand that Social Security will definitely be there for them in the future, but I also think it's important for them to recognize that Social Security is there for them today in the form of the disability insurance that we talked about on this program and the survivor benefits that we talked about on the program, particularly for younger workers. But in terms of the future of the program, uh, I like to refer to uh, a comment that Mark Twain once uh, made that the reports of my demise are greatly exaggerated. I think the uh, same can be said about Social Security. I think reports of Social Security's demise are greatly exaggerated as well. Here's the deal. Each year, Social Security's trustees issue a report on the financial health of the program. 2017 report came out and said, as currently constituted, assuming zero changes to the program whatsoever, no increase in taxes, no cuts in benefits, no nothing, they project Social Security has enough money on hand to cover 100% of the benefits that have been promised each and every month between now and the end of the year 2034. And the report also goes on to say, beginning at that point, and this is where those younger folks hear about Social Security going bust, going bankrupt, and mistakenly think there's not going to be any money there whatsoever. Trustees report projects that beginning in the year 2035, while Social Security, absent some changes, won't have enough money to cover 100% of the benefits that have been promised. There will be enough money coming in from payroll taxes to cover 77% of the benefits that have been promised. And that's an important point. Social Security's primary source of income is payroll tax dollars collected from employers, employees, and people who are self-employed. So absent a complete and total collapse of the United States economy, something like Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, where nobody's working, Social Security's always going to have a revenue stream. Question is, looking forward, 
absent changes to the program, is that revenue stream thought to be enough to cover all of the benefits that have been promised? And 2017 trustees report says beginning in 2035, it isn't, but it is projected to be sufficient to cover 77%. So the issue confronting Congress and the American public in terms of fixing Social Security, if you will, is coming up over the course of the next you know, 17 years or so with some solutions that will close not a 100% funding gap, but will close this 23% funding gap. I'd like to remind folks, worst case scenario, in my view, is that Congress doesn't deal with the issue at all. And I can't imagine that not happening, but say they don't. In 2034, you're getting $1,000 a month. Well, in 2035, you don't get nothing. You'll get $770 a month. So it's important to lay some context on this. We're talking about solvency down the road, not closing a 100% funding gap, but closing that 23% funding gap. And frankly, it's not a difficult situation. It's just like your situation at home. End of the month, you don't have enough money to cover all your bills. Either need to bring more money in or pay a little bit less money out. That's the same thing with Social Security. Down the road, close that gap solely by bringing in more money or by cutting benefits. If you think about it, if you close the gap solely by increasing revenue, who are you impacting? Well, younger folks, employers. You close the gap simply by cutting benefits to old folks like you and me, Jim. Well, that, that's who you're hurting. So I think in the end, you're going to see a mix, a blend of some reasonable increases on the income side, some slowdowns on the outflow side. But I don't think Social Security is a program in crisis, faces some you know, challenges that are demographically driven. And the sooner the Congress addresses them, the better it's going to be for everybody. But don't think that Social Security is going to be dead and gone. I think it'll always be here. I think that's critical. I think we, we, we put it into context, the baby boomers, and that's really what you're hearing the press say. The baby boomers are aging. They're sucking it out, cleaning it up, and the millennials are not going to have anything. I appreciate you tying that together and also mentioning that the younger people need to understand there are a lot more benefits. It's a death benefit. It is also a disability benefit. But let me let me tie this, kind of put a thought process for you. Now, let's say that we're... The question comes in, you're 66, your spouse is 64, maybe a 65 or whatever. I want you to kind of help us just just if you were with working with me, my wife is two years younger than I am. I am 69, so we're ready to retire. But let's talk about that couple that says, okay, let's work together. Sometimes you've got people that don't think about what they're going to do when they're coordinating with their spouse in this long-term retirement plan. I mean, I think that's what I want you to kind of help us understand. So when you're when you're working out your Social Security payment, I think, and I want you to help me understand for people listening, what do you do with your spouse? How do you work with that scenario? Put that together sure. for us. Yeah, and so it's important to understand how the Social Security spousal program operates. Now, programs absolutely, totally, completely gender neutral. Works either way. If the husband's the higher earner or the wife's the higher earner, either way. But for ease of explanation, Jim, we'll talk about in your situation, where I assume you is, have been the, the higher earner. What Social Security says in terms of paying spousal benefits, what as spousal benefits refer to the money that could go to the couple while both of you are alive. We'll talk about survivor benefits in a second. That's the situation where one of you has passed away, what benefits can be paid in that situation. But in terms of determining whether any type of spousal benefits can be paid, Social Security first asks, well, have you both worked and paid into the system? 
and let's assume you both have, both have accrued those 40 credits, you're both entitled to something on your own account, before Social Security will pay anything to a spouse, what they compare is, and Jim will just use your example, your case for example. That's fine. They'll compare 50% of your full retirement age amount with your spouse's full retirement age amount. And if her own full retirement age amount is more than 50% of yours, well, there are no spousal benefits paid. She collects solely based on her own work record. And that's if it's but more. if the is less than 50% of yours, now you're opening up the possibility of spousal benefits. How does that work? Well, for spousal benefits to be paid, you have to be collecting. Social hmm. Security can't pay spousal benefits unless and until the primary breadwinner is actually collecting. Then you're collecting. Your wife decides she wants to collect. Social Security pays her what she's entitled to receive on her own work record first, and then pays additional money on top of that to bring her up to that 50% of your full retirement age amount. And again, it's not 50% of what you may actually be collecting, 50% of your full retirement age amount. If she is under her full retirement age, she's going to get less. That payment amount gets reduced just to someone's own retirement benefit is reduced if they collect it early. Same thing with spousal benefits. So it's based on 50% of your full retirement age amount or her own. She gets one or the other. She doesn't collect both at once. And as I said before, the program's absolutely totally gender neutral. Say she had been the higher earner, you'd be eligible to receive 50% of her full retirement age amount or your own. One or the other, you don't get both at once. Kurt Zarnowski is our guest. He is, of course, our expert when it comes to Social Security. He answers your questions, and he always does a great job. Kurt, kind of as a, as a kind of a closing question, because this is a thought that we, we've actually been, we're talking about this earlier, and it just recently happened. The individual comes in, and they're talking about, well, the, you know, being it was reversed. It was the husband, and the spouse had the higher amount, and they had divorced. And the reality, he was not aware that he had a benefit. Can you go through that process? Because I think so many people forget that if they're married for 10 years, there is a benefit for that former spouse. Walk this through that. Absolutely. So let's talk quickly about divorced spousal benefits. And again, totally gender neutral works equally well either way. So let's talk about in your friend's case. What the law says is he's potentially eligible to collect as a divorced spouse based on the work and earnings of his ex-wife. Now, for him to be able to collect, first and foremost, as you referenced, the marriage needs to have lasted at least 10 years prior to the divorce. Second, for him to be able to collect, he cannot be married. He cannot be married. She can have remarried without impacting his ability to collect on her, but for him to collect, he cannot be married. Thirdly, he has to be at least age 62. Earliest age, a divorced spouse can collect, no different than regular spousal benefits. Now, there is one advantage in cases of divorce under the law that doesn't apply if the marriage were still intact. As I mentioned, if the marriage were intact, spousal benefits couldn't be paid unless the other person was collecting. But the law says in cases of divorce, as long as both of them are 62 years of age or older and the divorce was finalized at least two years ago, in our example, he can collect based on her work record, even if she has not yet started to collect. 
So are those conditions being met? What, she what is he entitled to collect? Well, simple. It's as if the marriage was still intact. He'd be able to collect 50% of her full retirement age amount or his own, one or the other, whichever one is higher, not both at once. So divorce spousal benefits, he can collect 10-year duration of marriage. He cannot be married, has to be at least age 62. If she's at least age 62 and the divorce is finalized two years ago, he can collect even if she has not yet started to collect. Well, that's great. That's great information. Always good information. Kurt, you just you just tie it together for us. You answer the questions. We consistently get those questions that come in. It's amazing, but it is so confusing. I so much appreciate how you tie it together, explain it in very simple terms, and assure us that something for those millennials that ask the question, something will be available in 2030. 32 may not be a hundred percent of what they're expecting, but it'll be something. And you're saying that, and the way you said it was, it would take Congress doing absolutely nothing. And that we know probably will not happen. Kurt Zernowski, he is the founder of Zernowski Consulting. He has been talking about Social Security, some of the retirement updates, some of the thought process that you need to make when you think about how you're going to retire and using Social Security as that baseline, we always talk about a three-legged stool. Social Security is one of those legs. It's extremely important. Kurt, thank you so much, sir. Have a great Thanksgiving and stay inside today. It sounds like it's a little windy up there. I will, Jim. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. We'll talk to you in February. There you go, man. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. You know, one of the best things that we do here on Talk Money is have someone like Kurt, an expert who really does tie things together for us, helps us to understand it. Well, coming back in the second half of the program, Michael Powell is going to talk about avoiding mistakes. How do you buy life insurance? One of the toughest decisions that we go through in making, well, he's going to tie it together for us. He's going to give us some issues, some thoughts, some ideas about a mistake. If you don't want to do something, he's going to tell you how to not how to avoid it. So stay with us. You're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We'll be right back. You're listening to Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time. It is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services is affiliated with Kurt Zarnowski or Zarnowski Consulting. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. If the airlines intend to charge for cell phone service and can make money on it, one might suspect that they'll be all for it. Our CBS News colleague, Errol Barnett, has been tracking this. Delta, American, and Southwest said they have no plans to change their policy. United and JetBlue are both reviewing the proposal. As for passengers? Some passengers, like Margie Moffat, are already on board. With the technology and everybody uses today, I think that, that would be a great thing. Not everybody is so sure that it would be so great, though. Tara Kinnett from Florida would opt out. If it's not much of a cost difference, I may go with the airline that didn't allow you to use them, just because I think it could get out of hand. And for people trying to sleep or read or watch a movie, says passenger Cicely Carroll of Virginia. Some people have a lack of respect or courtesy when they're talking on the phone. Sarah Nelson is the president of the Association of Flight Attendants. We are going to fight this tooth and nail. If this is enacted, we will fight this in Congress. Flight attendants will be in a position of de-escalating more and more conflict, which creates a security and safety threat for everyone on board. 
And as for public comment, says Errol Barnett. The public has 60 days to comment on this proposal, but by then, a new administration would have the final say. Until then, this plan remains up in the air. The Osgood File. This is Charles Osgood on the CBS Radio Network. Dave, what are you doing? Just sending a gift to Dave2037. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck as a gift to Dave2037, so he can spend it on things like anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman. Something cool like that. I think Dave2037 deserves it. He worked hard. What are you getting Steve2037? I guess I was thinking Steve2037 would just fend for himself. Well, all right, but don't expect to be borrowing my anti-gravity boots. You want to have money in your future? You got to start saving now. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Hey, let's just hope Steve2037 doesn't get his hands on a cold time machine because he is going to come back here and knock some sense into you. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Once again, talking with Rishi Sharma, here's Steve Hartman. Rishi doesn't come from a military family. His parents immigrated here from India. You were skipping school to go interview vets? Yeah. I started riding my bike to the local senior home. I interviewed those guys. Then I started driving. Today, he tries to meet one a day, drives all over Southern California, searching out every World War II combat that he can find. Talk about missions. I had a lot of missions. Like Marine Tank Commander Ernie Isley. They were going to make a big camp there, attack us at night. Rishi talks to these guys for hours. Wow. Then gives the recordings to the families. So far, he has interviewed more than 210 combat vets. Rishi says we're losing about 400 World War II vets a day. He can't talk to them fast enough. My name is Rishi Sharma. In addition to his daily interview, he calls at least five World War II vets a day just to thank them for their service and sacrifice. It means a great deal to me that you were willing to endure all of that so that I could be here today. Well, thank you very much. Thanking veterans and preserving their legacies is so important to Rishi. He's now delaying college and expanding his mission across the country. He and Steve Hartman may be crossing paths. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be on the road for years. The Osgood File. This is Charles Osgood on the CBS Radio Network. You're listening to Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Michael Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer and member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. We've been talking with uh, Kurt Jarnowski about Social Security, which we consider to be, you know, we talk about the three-legged stool. One of those legs is Social Security. The second leg, of course, is your pension or your 401k plan. That's qualified money, as we refer to it. And the third being a personal savings account. Well, the reality is that's kind of a focus a lot of times when people get into looking at what they're trying to do financially in their financial plan. Those three play a very important part. But one of the things that we have to think about from the standpoint of being a financial advisor is someone how we have to put down the the baseline, the formal part of the pyramid that holds it all together, and that's the cornerstone, and sometimes that's buying life insurance. Like everything it's we purchase in today's society, we have so many choices, so many options. 
that, uh, you know what, we, we just get confused about it. Any type of insurance policy from auto, auto insurance to life insurance has developed more choices over the years. And in fact, you can get just overwhelmed with it and it can be just extremely difficult. And so what happens, you sometimes just don't make a decision. With life insurance especially, you can find yourself making some crucial mistakes that long-term that can be very, very difficult to change and, if you're not careful, can uh, be kind of devastating to your overall financial plan. So I've asked Michael Powell to come in this morning, and he is going to help us look at some things, mistakes to avoid when you buy life insurance. Welcome to the program, Michael. Thanks for having me. Always good to be here. You know, one of the I guess, Michael, when we think through this whole process, you know, what do you what do you look at when you sit down with your clients in the office? What is one of the things that you try to start with? I mean, I know you're you're personally doing a lot of work and you, you got a lot of clients coming in, but what is the first thing that you kind of want to say to them about insurance? What what do you start with? Because I know it's a topic that a lot of people need to talk about, but they don't. Yeah, and most people want it, but they the first thing they ask is how much does it cost? <laughs> And looking at prices, I think, sometimes can be a little bit of a mistake, just looking at clearly from a a pricing standpoint, because you ever heard the old saying, you get what you pay for? Oh, yeah. Well, it's the same thing even with life insurance, and I believe it just throughout life. You know, you need to make sure that you're making the right decision, whether it, I mean, it's got to fit your budget, first off, but you got to look at the company that's going to be insuring you, the credit ratings that they have. There's a whole lot more to it. And a lot of features that are built in those life insurance policies may have more costs. So if you look at it from just like $5 a month or $10 a month, you may not be getting all that coverage that you may think you You know, get. you think about that. That's a great point. Buying life insurance is not like buying a car. You know, you right. can go in and touch and feel the car. You can smell it. And, you know, there's a new car smell and you get mm-hmm. all that. Buying life, that's a tangible. Buying life insurance is an intangible and if you're not careful, you start doing this price thing, and price is important. Don't, don't we don't, but you also need to know that you're not going to buy a company that's not going to be there most of the time. In fact, this is a good important thing. I think you've mentioned it this to me earlier. We buy life insurance. We don't want to use it tomorrow or the next day. Right. We want to use it 40, 50, 60 years from now. So when you're buying something like that, you want to make sure they're still there 40, 50, 60 years ago yeah, and you're, from, from, from now. And you're buying a promise. Right. Really, that's at the end of the day. And a big note there with pricing is if you ask prices from an agent or someone who sells life insurance like myself, you need to make sure that you look at those quotes and say, okay, that's not guaranteed because the insurance company has to interview interview you. Right. So they're taking a risk on you and you're taking a risk with them at the same time. So you have to go through an underwriting process. So don't think that just because you get one price means that that's set in stone. That's set in stone. You don't know mm-hmm. what that underwriting might create as far as a problem is concerned. Well, let me ask you this, and I guess we'll take a break. We'll come back. But one of the things is so many people, they end up, you know, when I go buy a car, I have a choice, leather seats or cloth seats, mm-hmm. okay? And leather seats are more expensive than cloth seats, and, you know, that's a choice. I mean, I can buy, you know, maybe tinted windows or not tinted windows or whatever. I'm just going through that mindset of buying a new car. The reality is some people need to think about how much coverage they're going to purchase and changing coverage to make the price work is not always the best thing to do. I want you to help us Listen, walk us through the idea of how much coverage do we need and how do we know that amount? How do we understand that amount? So when we come back, help me with that. We're listening. You're listening to, of course, 
the FM 107.9 and AM 990, the voice. Talk money for the Mid-South. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. You're listening to Talk Money. Shoemaker Financial and Securian Financial Services do not provide specific tax and or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax and or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and or legal situation. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. In November 1901, city planner and landscape architect George Kessler was hired to draft plans for a system of scenic streets to connect Overton Park with downtown Memphis. Kessler had already planned hundreds of projects internationally and across the country and was the perfect man to lead the beautification project for the city. Realizing that the current parks were public property and maintained by the taxpayers, Kessler designed with convenience in mind, envisioning a greater volume of road traffic, though there were less than 20 cars in Memphis at the time. His foresight proved to be correct, for only nine years later, there were over 1,000 cars on Memphis roads. This system of streets changed the way we think about parks. While the word park normally conjures images of ducks and picnics, the system of north, east, and south parkways remains a verdant trail that is still maintained by the park services and has been added to the National Register of Historic Places. This has been another Mid-South History Moment Brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. You're listening to Talk Money. Have a question you'd like answered on the program? Email talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, again, welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're t- listening to Talk Money. I'm talking with Michael Powell. He is one of our advisors at Shoemaker Financial. Frequent guest of ours does an excellent job. We're talking about that subject that is so difficult for some people, buying life insurance. With life insurance, especially when you go through that process of trying to buy it and what you're trying to get, you're talking to someone and you really don't know the questions asked. You find yourself you know, making some crucial mistakes or crucial decisions that may become mistakes, and sometimes they can be long-term and you need to be careful with that. So today's program is trying to help you understand some of the issues that you need to be thinking about. So, and Michael works with a lot of individuals on this particular subject and helps them understand that. So we talked about, first of all, not just get caught up in price. And Michael, you really said, you know, that when you, you kind of get what you pay for, and you mentioned that knowing a little bit about the company, how does somebody find out about the company? I mean, that's not always just easy. Do you just get information? Can you go online? What do you do? Yeah, you, typically you can, most life insurance companies have some sort of website. Right. And they also have, uh, through the state, they usually have some sort of agency that credit, like gives a reporting of that credit co- or that company. Mm-hmm. So really you need to just do your research on their site, alone and also a third party that's also being non-biased on how that credit rating is. And those are, yeah, that's a good point. Those credit ratings are diving, going in and looking at a lot of things, not just their logo and their size. Right. And that's important, I guess, for our listeners to understand. Size does not always mean that they're the best. And at the same time, small does not always mean they're in trouble or they're, you know, they're not. So you have to pay attention. But, but Michael, this is not easy. I mean, uh, here I am. We talk this language every day. 
we know the language. But to our listeners, they don't. I mean, if they do, they're the rare person. So how it's kind of like you listen to so many people, whether it's other talk show hosts or other people say this or that. And so you have this mindset. How do you help someone go through the process of making the decision to buy or not to buy life insurance? Yeah, one of the big things I see is not buying enough, but also hearing from somebody else, a different party, a family member or something, and taking their advice on it, not mm. really looking at themselves. It's not a one-size-fit-all scenario ah, with good. life insurance, because really you have to sit down and look at your individual situation. Just because the neighbor down the road bought some doesn't mean that you necessarily need it or need as much as that. But most people usually make the mistake of not buying enough because they haven't sat down and talked with somebody and said, hey... What are the things that I need to prioritize in my life to make sure that if I'm not here, who's getting taken care of? That's a good point. What about, you know, the, I guess I'm looking at the millennials. Do they need to, you know, you're a millennial. Do, do you need, I know you have a lot of life insurance. You've stepped out and kind of set up the example for your clients. But um, why does a millennial need life insurance? Well, you're young. You're healthy. Most of the time. Most of it the depends time. On, <laughs> depends yeah, I, on your lifestyle. Yeah, but <laughs> True. But, but even if you're single, married, or have a young family, or especially with me, I know that I have a lot of things in life that I'm going to try to accomplish and try and do. And if I'm not here, then obviously there's a lot of financial impact on the table, whether it's down the road. But I'm at least locking in something today. doesn't have to be a ton, but at least I'm getting something in place today. That way, when I know I do have some people that are dependent of my income or my financial situation, then I know that... I have something in place because your health is not guaranteed tomorrow. You know, that's a great point. And today we could have a health problem and yet live, you know, longer than we would have, say, 20, 30 years ago. That person, I mean, when I when I was a young man, we didn't call it a millennial. You're huh? still young. <laughs> that's come right. On, come on. There you go. Hey, write that down. Uh, <laughs> let's, here's the thing. When, when I was 23, 24 and just gotten married, I said, okay, I was just getting into the business and into the industry, and I said, okay, I'm doing some planning, got a will. You know, I didn't have any children at the time. Uh, and then I said, okay, I need to buy some life insurance. Well, I had had a problem uh, a couple of years earlier coming out of the military that I had been diagnosed with tuberculosis. And so I was on the treatment that they had for that particular disease back then. And 40 years ago, that was a major disease and still is, to, you know, but we just don't see it in the United States as we did, say, 60 years ago. But the reality is it still had that stigma. And all of a sudden, I found myself, I thought, very healthy, even though I had been in the hospital, yes, on a respirator, yes, sick. But I, once I was better, I was out working, doing everything I could, felt like that 24-year-old healthy as a rock. The insurance company said, though, no, we're looking at the house and there's smoke coming out the back door. So we can't insure you until we can find out how that smoke's going to come out. Now, that's a metaphor kind of mind mindset for what we're looking for. But the reality is, you just mentioned it, I would have said I was young and healthy. And yet the insurance company says, no, you're not. So for mm -hmm. five years, I could not get life insurance. And uh, eventually I had two children during that period of time. Uh, boy, that'll wake you up. So you don't know that future health, and we have to think about that, of how we plan, right? Exactly. Yeah, because it really, it really does put you in perspective, especially if you've had it from a personal standpoint. Right. If you've seen somebody else with some sort of health issue, and you know that at the end of the day, they may not get as much as they need, but it's definitely important to lock in some. 
One of the biggest issues that I think, and you mentioned this earlier, that people have is is buying enough. You know, maybe they're not buying enough. But we see a lot of times where, and I want to come back. We're going to take a break. But when I come back, I wanted to ask you this. Sometimes you have a person who made that decision to buy life insurance, and six months to a year or later or two years later, somebody comes in behind somebody and says, oh, that's not a good product. You should have bought this product. You need to get rid of that product and buy something else. Mm -hmm. And we have an attitude about that, and I want to talk about that with you when we come back. That sounds good. I mean, it's an important issue that a lot of people have. You're listening, of course, to KWAM 990 and FM 107.9, and I want to thank you for being a part of the program today. The reality is we're going to come back, get additional questions from Michael Powell. He is with Shoemaker Financial, 757-5757 is the telephone number to give him a call. You're listening to Talk Money. You're listening to Talk Money. Life insurance products contain fees, such as mortality and expense charges, and may contain restrictions, such as surrender periods. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Now, here's Mid-South Weather from News Channel 3 Severe Weather Center, brought to you by the Crescent Club, hosting the people and ideas that move Memphis forward for nearly 30 years. Poplar and I-240, call for a free tour at 901-684-1010. Your WREG-TV News Channel 3 Severe Weather Center forecast, outside of a few chances of sprinkles, mostly cloudy to partly cloudy skies, highs in the lower 70s, breezy south winds at 5 to 15. More scattered showers tonight, mostly cloudy, lows in the lower 60s. Looking for adventure this fall? Look no further than your Mid-South Chevy dealers. Head to your local dealer and ride into fall in a new Chevrolet. Find new roads at your Mid-South Chevy dealers. That's a look at your latest WREG-TV News Channel 3 Severe Weather Center forecast. I'm meteorologist Austin Onick on AM 990. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs. It's what we do. You're listening to Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. My guest, Michael Powell, we're talking about mistakes to avoid when you're buying life insurance. It's a tough subject, but it's reality. You do need life insurance if you have a couple of things that, such as a family, such as debt, such as just wanting to protect your future. When it comes to if you needed life insurance, you want to make sure that you have that option. But before we went to break, we took off the thought, you know, just thinking about this. And, Michael, again, thanks for being here. But the reality is so many times we have people that will make a decision to buy life insurance, and they had someone that did a great job, and then six, seven months later, maybe some things are changing. Six, seven years later, some things have changed. Maybe they've added a child or something, and they do need to be buying more. And they go in, and they're talking to someone different than the first person. And invariably, we see this in this industry, and it really frustrates me, and I know it frustrates you, 
that people will say, well, what you bought four or five years ago is not a good product. How do you deal with that? I mean, this is, uh, you know, I know we just don't always, we just don't believe that. We try our mm-hmm. best to, to use what a person has because it costs money when you start canceling policies. It does. How do you deal with that? You got to be very careful. I'm really, really careful when it comes to that because I know that just because they bought it four or five years ago and there's newer products today and there's, you know, people are living longer, it's cheaper to buy it sometimes, but you got to make sure that it's absolutely going to fit and it's the best interest of the client. Because at the end of the day, if I do some, if I replace that policy with, with something newer and they come in and it's going to be more expensive than what they originally had, then I'm not helping them out. It's not really giving them any benefit at all. But if there's different priorities in place or if they have different things that have changed in their life, if you know, you think differently five years ago, right? Right. Because you've been through more life. And really, at the end of the day, if it's still fitting their criteria and fitting their priorities, then there's no point in changing it. But right. if they have, then there may, there may be an opportunity to explore more. And you have to look at either more coverage using that original policy, just adding to it. A supplement. A yeah. supplement or something like that. Well, I think what you're saying, and I appreciate how you're, you're, you're saying you have to be very careful, because there are times when someone has bought a product that just was not the appropriate product that they should have bought four or five years ago. We know that. We see that, too. Or maybe the insurance agent got a little uh, maybe out of sync of what really that was overall planning process. I mean, you take a young couple who's barely getting by, and they got two kids, and they're buying permanent insurance. It's costing them a fortune, and they need three times the coverage. So maybe they need to figure out a way that they need more term instead of permanent. On the other hand, you've got people that bought all term, and maybe they should have bought some permanent. You know, we ought to have you back, because I think we don't have the time today, but I'd like to talk about the difference sometimes between how much term, how much permanent, how do you mix it, how do you put all that together? That's a subject that a lot of people need to, to listen to and understand. Let me ask you this, though. How do you help someone know that amount? That amount is kind of that elusive figure out there in the eye, you know, out there in the sky. If you're not careful, sometimes the... Insurance representative says, well, this is what you need. This is the mm-hmm. amount. And that's not, we know that. That's not always the case. How do you help a client know the amount of life insurance they need or what's the process? The first process is I have to dig into your finances. I really have to get a great idea of everything you have, assets in place, your home, what type of insurance you may have already in place. I mean, basically, I just have to do a full physical mm-hmm. as far as like from a financial standpoint. Really looking at that. And the second step of that is saying, okay, based on the things you have and the things you want in the future, if something happens to you today, what are the biggest priorities you want to see taken care of? Is it debt? Do you have a mortgage? Do you have a private student loan or someone else is on the hook for that? Do you have um, income to be replaced? You know, if I'm not here, I'm not making money because I'm dead, right? Right. (laughs) So... Do I need to? I think that's right. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Well, some people still make money when they're dead, like celebrities. But anyway, so I'm not here anymore. So I need to make sure that I'm replacing my income for a certain amount of years, especially if someone was used to living off of my income. Mm -hmm. So that's a big part. Uh, Barrel expenses get pretty expensive. So you want to make sure that that's taken care of. If you have young children, do you want to pay for college education if you're not here? Because if you're saving for it while you're living, if you pass away, do you want that already funded for them? Right. And I think the last one is just making sure that things are pretty much as is for that individual and that surviving family after things go away. 
So finding out what's the most important thing on that list to them and being able to run the data and make sure that that's going to be the right amount or mm. what amount's going to be in place for that. You know, I had it put to me earlier on, and I remember this so clear that if I could imagine a family sitting at the table around the kitchen table, it's late in the afternoon or maybe early in the evening, and you're talking to them, and this person's passed away, and you're given that opportunity to come back, and around the table, they're looking at college education brochures. You got that 17-year-old kid, and you know they're all talking about it, and it's kind of like, wow, we're going to do this. And here's Dad setting out. I'm with Dad. We're looking back in there, and we're going, hey, just realize he's not asking, can I go to college? He's asking, where am I going to go to college? And that's what Doing the insurance planning is meeting those specific needs. It takes the can I go out, and it gives them the chance, where am I going? Mm -hmm. And that is so, so critical when we sit down with someone and help them understand what they're doing, financial planning, and from a standpoint of insurance buying. Yeah. That's a great right. point. Michael Powell, 757-5757. That's the telephone number if you'd like to talk to Michael just to avoid making mistakes. Maybe you've got something that you've done and you'd like to get his opinion. Just give him a call, 757-5757. That's Michael Powell. Michael, thanks for being with me this morning. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. You know, it's so good to have someone like Michael always give him a call just simply to ask him about what type of insurance you might or how much. Those are questions you can. I want to thank, of course, Kurt Zarnowski of Zarnowski Consultant. He did a great job. Michael Powell with Shoemaker Financial. Producer and board operator, Gilworth. He does a great job all the time. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Edler Moskovich. And compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong, as always, keeps me out of trouble. And Mid-South History Moment, written by Drew Johnson and read by Rebecca Brazier. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, FM 107.9 and AM 990. Talk radio from Memphis and the Mid-South. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Michael Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer and member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.